0: The lights on stages. I even love it when the crowd gets loud, singing out God's praises. But every now and then, it can get a little complicated. So I remember when I was in that old church basement singing Hallelujah. It's all. I'm
1: singing
0: We got together Every Wednesday night About 30 teenagers My friend Josh Bought a cheap guitar And barely knew how to play it He wasn't putting on a show wasn't well, no one trying to be famous, but we sure touched heads.
1: Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you for joining us today. For those of you who are watching online, we want to thank you for tuning in. Would you please drop a line in the comments to let us know that you're watching with us this morning. Uh, for those of you in the room, would you please stand and worship with us.
2: Thank you, guys. Good morning. Crossroads have a seat. It's good to be with you here. I'm glad you guys are joining us online as well. Can we thank God for our online family joining us? Can we thank God for them? It's a good day to be here, and uh, we're excited about what God's going to teach us. And So I want to share, guys, that... um If you are uh, visiting, you're you're checking things out today, would you please stop by the Welcome Center so we can connect with you? We'd love to meet you and just hear your story. And if you're online, just drop a note in the comments. We'd love to get to know you. And so it's just a great day to be here, and we're thankful. We can be really thankful because there's so much going on, and we can be thankful. We can pause for an hour and we can just worship God. We can hear from his word. We can be with great people and just be encouraged as we get ready to go into our week. And so this is a good thing, guys. This is a really good thing to gather. And God's called this gathering. And so we're glad to be here. Hey, listen, this is what's coming up here. A few things. One is that we have our trunk and treat coming up on the 27th of October from 630 to 8. You can sign up online. And uh, if you see this little uh, orange paper in your bulletin, please use this as a great resource to just invite somebody invite a family, share more information, even um, take a picture of it and send it to 20 people. But this is a tool for all of us as a church to invite someone to, to be a part of Trunk and Tree to come up on the 27th and walk around the parking lot and just just be with great people, um, get some candy along the way, probably a little too much candy. But it's going to be a great time. And we're also looking for um, our church to, to, to jump on the team to serve. So you can serve by filling out the little piece of paper in your bulletin. looks like this. Uh, or you can stop by um, there's a a table in the lobby in the foyer you can stop by and you can sign up to serve there's concessions uh, helping out with hot dogs and hot chocolate uh, as well as decorating a trunk. We're still looking for more trunks uh, for people to decorate their trunks and hand out candy. And so please, uh, and there's parking crew as well. So please check out the table in the lobby and uh, sign up to be a part of that team uh, serving on the 27th. And then on October 31st, uh, Eric McElvenny will be uh, sharing kind of his post-Paralympic uh, story. And so we're excited to have him here on the 31st. So we encourage you all to bring a friend. Uh, use this as a great way to bring somebody, hey, come here. a great story. Story And uh, it's going to be a good time, and we're looking forward to that on the 31st. And then, listen, all things Christmas. I know, we were at Lowe's the other day, and I feel like it exploded. It's it, they, they creep it. They, they do a year or, a, or a, week, a week earlier every year. Anybody else with me? It's like it's coming out. Mm-hmm. You're with me. And so uh, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, and so you'll be seeing the boxes in the lobby here pretty soon. And then we're going to be asking our church to grab a box, grab a few, uh, pack them with your family, and then bring them back. Um, the week of the 15th through the 22nd, and then uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. Remember, one box impacts the life. And then, birthday gift to Jesus our goal this year is 100,000. So begin to pray about your part so that you can be a part of this incredible opportunity we have here to, to bless these missionaries, these local, national, international missionaries. Um, So we're looking forward to, again, just what what God's going to do. It's a great thing to be a part of his work, isn't it? And so we're looking forward to the birthday gift of Jesus. So begin to pray about your part and how you can be a part of this. And then last but not least, we have Ernie Haas. Uh, We're having a a concert, a Christmas concert, uh, here on December 2nd and 3rd. So mark your calendars for December 2nd and 3rd. And we'll be sharing more information to come. But Ernie Haas and and Signature Sound will be doing a Christmas concert on the 2nd and 3rd of December. And so we'll be sharing more information to come. But, guys, thank you for just being a part of all that's happening here, for continuing to be faithful. And one of those things is giving. Thank you for being faithful and giving to the mission of Jesus. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the song that we just sang, Lord, that you are holy, God, that you are set apart. And, Lord, because of Jesus, uh, Lord, you set us apart. Uh, Lord, we thank you for just the fact that there's nothing that we could do to earn a relationship with you, but only because of your son's death and resurrection on the cross, Lord, that we have life, that we have purpose. So God, thank you for this morning, for these songs, Lord, for the the word that we're about to hear, God. Encourage our hearts, challenge us, and that we would walk out of here a church on fire for you. We ask all things in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Would you please stand as we continue? Thank you.
3: How many of you have watched the series Chosen? You've been watching Chosen, okay? I know a number of you have told me you've been watching it. Somebody just gave me the, uh, I have the two series, season one, season two on my desk. Can't wait to jump into that. But I want you to to think about our remarkable series like you're watching Chosen. Like the camera comes up today, and as the camera comes up, you're going to zoom in, and you see a guy just out in the distance there. As he's out in the distance, all you see is his silhouette. He's standing around a campfire, and all you see is the embers coming up, and, and he kind of walks, and the, the camera's kind of showing you the scenery, the landscape where he's at. But as, uh, as he moves, he kind of goes from building to building. And he makes his journey, he goes to a number of neighborhoods till he gets back home and as he walks back to his house, you see this all of a sudden this grand house and he walks into this grand house and there 's these white pillars that are holding up the the second level of his house, and he walks in and, he, and the camera kind of follows him at a distance and walks him down the hallway. The next scene, the next picture is he 's laying in bed, and this man, as you can look around by the by the wonderfulness of his of his house, as the camera had taken you through and showed you the landscape around his house was absolutely beautiful uh, for that day. And, and inside of his house, you can tell that this man is doing pretty well, but yet he's tossing and turning. And you see this man, and he's wrestling, and he's wrestling with himself, and he he's got a question that's driving him because he's got everything, but yet there's something that's missing down deep inside. And so he goes through this struggle, through tossing and turning, tossing and turning. That's the guy we're going to talk about today. That's the guy in, in in our chapter that we're going to be looking at. He's known as the rich young roller. You have heard the story about the rich young ruler. You might have heard him at whenever you were a kid. You might have went to Sunday school and heard the story of the rich young ruler. Well, today we're going to look and we're going to see some incredible uh, things that we can learn from the rich young ruler and how that he was really this guy who had everything, but something was missing. And he's tossing and he's turning because he knows that this thing is missing. As a matter of fact, he had heard about this man, Jesus, and we see his journey to Jesus today. As he came to Jesus, he had heard many things about him. As a matter of fact, he heard that this was uh, this was a rabbi like no other, like no other. This was the the guy who could teach like nobody else. And so, as he went up to follow this man, as he followed Jesus, he had heard about this story right here. And we're going to pick up in in Luke chapter ten, verse thirteen. People were bringing their little children to Jesus. For him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. So the disciples are saying, stay out! you know, he's got a lot to do. And look what Jesus does, how he responds. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God uh, belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so Jesus gives an incredible teaching here. And, uh, and, and we see him. And what he does, he takes the children. Verse 16, he takes the children and into his arms. He places hands on them and he blessed them. And so this was a, this was a scene like the, the man that you see tossing and turning. And as the camera viewed and you saw this man tossing and turning, he had heard about this. He had heard that there was a a man that followed and and people would uh, come after him and follow him and that even a child could follow him. No rabbi of the day would spend time with the little kids like he did. Jesus would let them come to him. and, And as you're looking at that, you know, Jesus says there, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter into the kingdom of God. How how does a little child, like he takes the little children into his arms, he blesses them. And I want you to think about that because as as you tell to a child, a child will believe you. Have you noticed that? If you tell a child that you're going to do something, they believe you're going to do it. For example, just tell your kid on the way home you're going to get ice cream. And they will remind you that you said you're going to get ice cream until you stop and get ice cream, right? Because they believe you. They trust you. But I want you to think about this. A five-year-old kid. A five-year-old kid is completely dependent on mom and dad. Isn't it amazing? And, And you know, it's kind of fun when the kids are five like that because... You know, you, you get to give them gifts, and you get to have fun with them, but they also require a lot from mom and dad, don't they? They require a lot of our attention, a lot of our care. And so as, you're, as, you're, uh, as you see this child, the child is completely dependent on the parent. And as the child begins to grow, what happens as the child begins to grow is he depends less on the parent. And by the time the child becomes an adult, he becomes independent. And so what Jesus was teaching us here when he did this, when he brought the kids unto himself... He was saying that, hey, the kingdom of God is really a dependence issue. Are you going to depend? What are you depending on? And he says the kingdom of God is like this. Unless you're like one of these little children and you depend on God, you come to him with, with, with just this innocent, I'm going to trust you, and that's what I'm going to do. He says this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he takes them and he bless them. So the rich young ruler that we're going to look at here, uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17... This guy had heard about this Jesus. He comes running after him. And Jesus, uh, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Continuing on, verse 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud. You shall honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And look how Jesus responds. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. I want you to catch the scene here. Here is a man who has been struggling. This man who comes before Jesus. He is, he's there and he he, he is, he has gone through life and he's been pretty successful. He's a young, rich ruler. As you go into the book of Mark, it tells us that he was rich. If you go into Matthew's account, Matthew will tell you that he was young. If you go into Luke's account, Luke will tell you that he's a ruler. So in your Bible, there's probably a little heading that says the rich young ruler. That's where we get it. You take Matthew, Mark and Luke, you put them all together and you get the whole picture of who this guy was. I want you to imagine this guy He's 28 years old. He's on the top of the world. He has he has uh, he has done pretty well for himself. His business has been successful. He's made so much money, um, and 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 he's done well at so many areas of his life. He's done well at religion because Jesus comes to him and and, and asks him these questions. He says, "Yeah, I've done that since I was a little boy," and God says, Jesus says to him here, "There's one thing that you lack." And so what this man was doing, he was coming, he had ran after Jesus and catch this because for this man to run after Jesus, that was not something that a rich young guy would do. That's something that the servant would do. The servant would run after Jesus. The servant would get on his knees before Jesus in humility. This was the rich guy. This was the guy who had it all together. This was the guy that was moving forward with life, and and he had this world figured out. As a matter of fact, he comes to God basically here. He comes to Jesus here, and he's saying, "Hey, you know, there's there's one question. I, I've got this life figured out. I have been really successful. I have I have done really well at my business. I have done really well at religion. Uh, I have all these great resources. And and let let me tell you here." Uh, There's one thing that's bothering me, he says. He says, what comes next? He comes to Jesus as if he's asking for a chart. What's the next step? What is the next thing for me? Like, I've done really well, but yet there's something gnawing at him inside. When he lies in bed at night, he wakes up at three in the morning thinking about what's the next thing. He starts to begin to think about what happens when you die. Listen, I think that's a good question for all of us to think about, isn't it? What happens when you die? But, but we don't like to think about that too often. Uh, this week I was at three funerals. I began to think about that a little bit more. Um, and I started to do the age of the person in the casket and mine and my math. And I'm like, I don't like that math. But I was never good at math anyhow, so it doesn't matter, right? So, but I look and I say, whoa, that's getting a little closer to where I live. That's a little bit closer. And you start thinking about the end. You start to realize that, hey, there's, this man was coming to this. This is what he was coming to. There's one thing that this guy is lacking. He's coming to Jesus for it. And he's saying, hey, I've got everything all together. But I don't know what comes next. I've got this whole world. I have been successful. I have done it right. I, and this guy did. He did it the right way. He even, he, he asked him about the Ten Commandments. What about all these commandments? And, and he says, listen, I've been doing that since I've been a kid. And so he was living a good life. I, I, want, I want to put it to you like this. Let's say you're on your way home. I want, I want you to, to see the, the pride that this guy was welling up at this moment. Jesus looks at him and says, one thing that you lack, right? I want you to catch it on your way home. You bump into Jesus in the parking lot. Just imagine that. Gets out of his Toyota, right? We know it wasn't a Ford, but it was maybe a Toyota, right? So he, he jumps out of his car, right? And, 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 and you bump into Jesus on the way home. And as you're talking to Jesus um, in the parking lot, and you say, hey, Jesus, you know, there, what do I need to work on? Could you imagine if you sat down with Jesus face to face? What do I need to work on? For me, there would be a, quite a list. You yeah, know, I'd be like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, 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 right? There'd be a lot of things that i fall short. This guy looks at Jesus and says, there's one thing that you lack. Wow. He, he Like, he had all the bases covered. He had money. He had religion. He did it all. He says, there's only one thing. And so this is a really big, proud moment for this guy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love how he says that Jesus isn't condemning him, but he's trying to teach him. Um, whenever, whenever Jesus had, uh, whenever the man came up to him and said, "Good teacher," he says, "Why do you call me good teacher? Only God gets that title." And what he was saying, he was saying, "Listen, do you really understand who I am? Do you really understand that? Yeah, I'm, I'm physically walking in this body, but I am God in the flesh." Do you understand? And, and he's going to come up with a question here that's going to help this man understand that he really is God. It's going to come up with a, with a question for him to, to take that. Do you understand that I'm really God? See, Jesus wasn't standing there saying, well, you know, I, I'm not God. Only, uh, you only call God good. He was throwing a rhetorical question to him. Why do you call me good? Because God is only good. Do you realize that you've called me God? And then he comes down. He says, one thing that you lack. And here he says, continues on, Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, verse 22, At this the man's face fell. He went away sad. He was grieved because he had great wealth. And as you look at this passage, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions. Because you're saying, what is Jesus talking about? This man's face fell. It says that he was very sad. The, 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 the Greek word there is grieved. Uh, he was grieved. He was grieved. The same word was used when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. and begins to sweat blood. The Scripture says that he was grieved. Why was he grieved? Because he knew that he was going to die. This man is faced... With a denial of self. This man is faced with, Hey, everything that I have worked for, now I've got to let go and I'm not going to depend on this anymore. And Jesus says, Go sell it all. Give it to the poor. And come follow me. Pretty simple, right? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Go sell it all. Hmm. The disciples were amazed. Look at this. The disciples... Look, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is. We'll go to verse 24. Is that verse 24? Yeah. All the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Man, a day. Jesus looked around to his disciples. I'm sorry. Verse 23. Go back. He was right. Verse 23. We'll go back. There you go. It's my fault here. I'm just a little out of step here. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were looking at him, and the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. He continues on. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Like the disciples are flabbergasted. They're sitting here and they're saying, wait a minute. You just told this guy to sell everything that he has in order to have eternal life. And and what does that mean for us? Like, like, you you just said to to get rid of everything and follow you. What does that mean for us? The disciples were even more amazed and they say, Who then can be saved? And I love how Jesus responds to them. Look what Jesus says. Jesus looked at the men, looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now I want you to catch up because what he's saying here is this With man, it is impossible. To trust your riches to get to God. You cannot. It is impossible whatever you're trusting, whether it's your riches, your religion, your good works, your self-esteem, your degrees. What must I do? Whatever you can do. With man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, He has provided the way for you to have eternal life. So He says, he, he says here, I want you to catch it. I want you to understand, all things are possible with God. And then Peter, I love it. Peter steps up all the time. Doesn't Peter always kind of talk when you shouldn't talk? You know that? You know, um, Peter says, "Okay, we have left everything to follow you." And Jesus says, "Ah, I'll tell you the truth." No one who has left home, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, nobody's done all this for me, will fail to receive a hundred times as much now in this time. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. Now, Jesus says, listen, when you sacrifice, you give something to God, listen, God's gonna provide, He's gonna give you a hundredfold back, and, uh, and, and you know what, along with persecution. Did you catch how He just kinda of slid that little thing in there? Like, I'm, I want a hundred times the fields, I'll give my field if I get a hundred fields back, right? but along with persecution imagine that right so god here is he's laying this out he says we failed to uh no none of them uh, he's responding to peter nobody who gives to god he is not going to take care and he says in this time and in the age to come eternal life i want you to catch the bigger picture what jesus is saying here he's not saying if you give money to god that you'll get money back you know i used to think that if i put 10 dollars in the offering i'll get 100 back isn't that cool How many times did I even used to think, you know, if I tithe, God will make my tires last longer. (laughs) You know, I want to I want to let you know something. Tires don't last long in western Pennsylvania, no matter what you do. OK, uh, you, you buy a 70,000 mile tire, you're going to get about 22,000 miles out of them. OK, that's just Western Pennsylvania. You can tithe because that's what God's called us to do. But your tires are still going to go bad. And I used to have this this mystical thing. If I don't tithe, my tires are going to go bold at 15,000 miles instead of 22,000. But if I tithe, God will make them go to 30,000. Right. That's not what God said in his word. You see, that's me doing the work. That's me. If I do this, then God, you do that, right? And so this man was at that place and he's trying to find out what do I have to do for God to solve this problem that I have? And Jesus wraps this time up. He says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So God, yeah, God does have a principle as as you give to him. He's going to take care of you. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So You can't understand how God chooses to bless, how God chooses to provide. Some days, you know, some days you say, well, I did this. Well, God, you should do this for me. And God says, no, I'm God. You're not. I'm your provider. I'm going to take care of you. But, but you thought if you put more, more in that you'll get more out. And God says, no, that's not how this works. If you deny yourself and follow me, that's how this works. Like, deny yourself and follow me. And so, so there's, there's a lot of things here. You know, um, here, here is Jesus. He, he identifies himself as God in this passage. As he identifies himself as God, we see this, uh, this incredible thing that this man now is going to find out, yeah, you say I'm God, but do I really believe that you're God? And so Jesus just, Jesus lays on him the $64 million question. Are you willing to go sell everything and trust me? Because if you're willing to go sell everything, give it all to the poor, you'll have treasures in heaven. And God will, God will, God will give you treasure in heaven. But, but I just want you to follow me. And the man walks away sad. He came up with one question. And you know, as you look at this story today, you look at, look at this and we like to think that we're not the rich man in there. But I want to remind you a little bit about riches here. You live in the country that is among the top 10% of wealth in the, in the world. You go home and you have a computer. You carry a computer in your pocket. You call it a phone. You pay $1,200 for one of these things, but you don't notice it because you pay it over 24 months. And every 12 months you get to trade in for the new Apple. Unless you're like me and you like pears. Listen. Some of you caught that. Some of you didn't. But I want you to catch this here. We live in the richest country in the world. You know who the rich is in the the parable? It's you and me. I I want you to think about my friends in Haiti. We're going to be praying for missionaries. You're going to see their pictures coming up here in the days to come. And we're going to be sending things to help the missionaries in Haiti and Ecuador, Africa, all around the world. I want you to think about them over there. But they, they... they 're happy to have a bowl of rice today. Uh, the kids are standing in line for a bowl of rice and beans, and if they 're lucky, they get a piece of fish to go with it today. Um, tomorrow, they may get a little sli- a little spoon of peanut butter to go along with all of that and, and they 're thrilled as they stand in line and God says the same to them. I want you to uh, to surrender what you 're trusting in." And I want you to follow me. And so imagine uh, a Haitian looking at this and saying, "Okay, God, I've got to surrender everything. What does God want with my two goats? All right, I'll give you my two goats. What what do you want with my two goats? And so so everywhere you go, you got to understand the rich person is all of us, whether you're in Haiti or you're here. Yeah, we live in, in the wealthiest country in the world. But I want you to also understand that God wasn't picking on riches here. He's talking about who do you trust? I want you to think about the rich young ruler, because as the camera came up and you could see walking down the hall of his house and you saw the white pillars holding up the second story, you saw the wonderful landscape outside. And and, and if that rich young ruler from 2000 years ago were to be alive today and dropped into your world, I want you to imagine if I said, hey, here's the rich young ruler here, you get to ride him home today. He's going to your house. And so the rich young ruler comes to your house, you take him out and he's never been in a car before. You get in your car and you start it up. Vroom. He's looking around. He's kind of amazing. And you go flying out of here. And you're, he's like, whoa, whoa, I've never done this before. He gets to your house. You, you pull up to your house and you just reach up to the visor. You hit a button and the wall of your house moves. And you pull the car in. You hit another button and the wall goes back down. He's standing. How did you do that? Well, I just hit this button over here. And then he gets out and he looks around in and, and your garage and you've got all these containers, all these bins everywhere. And he goes, well, what's that? And you go, well, that's my stuff. That's my stuff we never use anymore. That, well, that's my wife's stuff. I leave it there for my wife. And, you know, I ask my wife to get clear bins so I know what stuff is. But, but it's just my stuff, right? And then you take him inside. And, and this man from 2,000 years ago, he walks inside and, and you open up. This door to your refrigerator and he sees this room filled with food and he looks and he's like, wow, I'm ready to eat. And You're like, ah, there's not enough food here tonight. We'll just call an order of pizza. He's like, what do you mean? You, you don't go hunting and gathering? Nah, this 18 this year old kid, he'll bring it to me in about 20 minutes. He'll hunt and gather it, right? He'll bring the pizza to me. And so so you go through this whole thing and you realize that, man, we you have so much. And so if you start to look at rich, I, this is what I have found out about this term rich. When we think of rich, we think of someone else. Have you ever noticed that? We think of somebody else. And then, so if, I, if you come to me and say, oh, hey, Ken, you're rich. And I say, no, let me show you who's rich. And I take you to their house and, oh. And then you sit down and say, hey, you're rich. They say, no, I'm really not rich. The, the rich people, they live over over there. And so you go over to that neighborhood and you sit and you talk to them and you say, hey, is this what rich looks like? And they're like, they're like oh. Yeah, I mean, we're very thankful for what we have, but we ain't rich. Rich people don't live in Pittsburgh. They live in and they ain't tell you where the really rich people live, right? And so you go to that place where the really rich people live and they'll say, "Man, you don't even have a clue. I've got all this. I've got millions and millions and millions and I am nothing." There's so many high rollers. If you want to know where the really rich people live, you go to this state. And you go to this part of town. You go there. And so we always compare ourselves and say that somebody else is richer. And Jesus in this parable was not picking on riches. What? Are you, uh, and not a parable. I'm sorry. Jesus in this story has actually happened. He wasn't picking on the man's riches. He was helping this man to understand. He said, listen, I'm okay that you use riches. Your finances as a tool, but not as a goal. Um, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father up above. Thank God for what we have. These things don't mean that we are right with God. Did you catch that? You see, because what was happening is in that day, in the Old Testament, if you go read the Old Testament, it would say that God has blessed and by the bounty of his hand. We see all this. God has blessed him. We see all these physical blessings. And Jesus was flipping the table and saying, Yeah, yeah, you've worked hard. You've done your part. But if you want to get to the kingdom of God, it's not about what you can do. And this man comes to him and he says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and then he, they get, you know, Jesus talks to him about this eye of a needle. I, you know, I want to put this picture up here, the, this camel in the eye of a needle. You know, when you think about that, you you, you look at this eye of the needle and you look at the camel. How in the world is a camel going to get through that? Well, I have a a ninja blender. (laughs) No. How is the camel going to get through there? I've heard other people try to explain it like this, and I think at one point I probably have explained it like this before. That, well, you know, in the wall of the city, there was a gate. And the gate was about this high. It was known as the eye of a needle. It was security. And so a camel, it was really hard to get a camel through there. But, you know, he had to take everything off. And you had to really smash it down and get through. And then you could put all your stuff on and re-put re, re them on on the other side. And I started reading. I heard people explain it that way. and heard people look at a picture like this. And I've come to the conclusion that Jesus was really talking about this. He wasn't saying, well, you know, it's hard for a rich person to get to heaven, but he can do it. No. You can't get to heaven on your riches. You can take them all off. If you're trusting in them riches, you ain't getting to heaven. And so when you look at the eye of the needle, there was a statement that the other countries in that day would use. They would say, uh, if you're trying to say that something couldn't happen, they would say, like putting an elephant through the eye of a needle. And so Jesus knows that in their land, the camel's the biggest thing that these people knew. And so he says... The camel goes through the eye of a needle. And it's a rhetorical, it's a thing to get their attention. And he's saying, look, you can't trust in your riches to get you to God. As a matter of fact, Jesus takes it on and he says, when he's talking about the impossible part, he says it's impossible to trust your riches to get you to God. It's impossible to trust your religion to get you to God. It's impossible to trust your success. It's impossible for anything that you have done to get you to god this is the only time in scripture that we see that god told somebody to get rid of something to get rid of everything the only time that we see in scripture that god told somebody to get rid of everything Uh, god wasn't picking on riches here Uh, again remember he's showing what is this guy trusting there are many people that god has blessed and god gives them riches and they use it for his honor and glory let me give you a few, few biblical examples. Lydia, she was a seller of purple linens. If you go into the book of Acts, you'll read about Lydia. Then you go into the book of Philippians, you'll see that Lydia uh, was a, a seller of purple. The purple dye was very expensive and it was she became she had a lot of wealth and she ended up using her wealth for God. In Philippians, she is commended for using her wealth for God. So we see somebody with riches that God says, hey, you can use them for God. Uh, We see Zacchaeus. If you go to Zacchaeus, remember the wee little man and the wee little man was he? He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You remember that guy? I think he was three feet tall. Maybe four. Listen, Zacchaeus was, uh, was was somebody that people hated because he stole so much. He comes to God, you know, he climbs up in a tree to see the Lord and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus comes down, they go to his house, they have a big dinner, they have all kind of fun. And then Zacchaeus says, I am going to sell everything, uh, not everything, he says I'm going to sell half, give it to the poor. I'm going to take half and give it to the poor. So you see, God was encouraging Zacchaeus. He was encouraging all these people. And so God wasn't picking on riches. Money is an incredible tool, folks. But don't let money become your goal. You catch that? God says, I want you to use money. Don't let money use you. And so as he's coming here and he's dealing with us, the deeper issue is what are you trusting in? Uh, I love the story of Dave, when Dave Ramsey, uh, Dave Ramsey tells about whenever he went out and uh, he wanted to teach his kids about the value of money and teach him really the good things that money can do. And so he took out, uh, took his granddaughter out. I think it was on Thanksgiving morning. Everybody else at home was preparing the Thanksgiving meal and spending the whole day. And so as he goes out to prepare the Thanksgiving meal, um, uh, that everybody else is preparing. He goes out to the Waffle House with his granddaughter. And as he goes into the Waffle House, they get a light breakfast. And when he's done, he gets the check and he sees the bill. He pays the bill and he leaves a hundred dollar tip. He puts the $100 in a napkin and he says, hey, let's go outside and and we're going to watch in the car and and, and see what happens there. So he goes out and he sits out in the car and he's looking through his car window with his granddaughter and and out comes the waitress after he's gone and picks it up and sees the $100 bill and she's jumping up and down because who's working on Thanksgiving morning but the person who really needs it. And Dave Ramsey says, yeah, you can do good things. You see, that was the... It wasn't the goal. He used his he used finances as the tool. And listen, many people, this rich man, he used finances as his goal. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be I've done religion. I've done it all. Let's think about this guy here. Let's think about this rich young ruler. Number one, he knew Jesus. He knew who he was and he knew how to find him. He came like he said, hey, I've heard about this guy. He lets children come to him. Maybe he's got the answer for what I've been wrestling with. He came with urgency. He runs. The scripture says that he he ran to him. He ran. He, He ran to Jesus. He comes with urgency and humility. He falls down on his knees. Uh, he lived a good life. Jesus asked him, hey, you know the commandments. And, and by the way, Jesus wasn't trying to say, um, hey, you got to do these commandments to get to God. He was saying, hey, I know what you're up to. What about the Ten Commandments? Because if you would have went to any rabbi, they would have all said the same thing to that same question. Did you do the Ten Commandments? Earn your way up to God. And Jesus was going to go a step deeper here. And he says, hey, this guy, come out. He lived a good life. He was a good guy. And he asked for salvation. What must I do? What must I do? He asked God. He's here You are the good teacher. You are God. What must I do? And listen, this is where many people in our world get to. We come to this point. What must I? What can I have been a good person? I have been successful and I'm still wrestling at night because I don't know what to do whenever I face death. I don't want what to do with the next step. Something's missing. It's empty. I, I just feel this empty hole inside. What must I do? And Jesus tells him, go sell everything. Follow me. And the man walks away sad. He walks away sad because he wasn't willing. He's grieved. He wasn't willing to give up everything to, to, to follow him. And I'll tell you why he was sad. I wonder if you'll get my toy. I've asked Hunter to help me with a toy today. I want to show you this. This man was sad because he was climbing and he was going up in the world and he was climbing the, the, the ladder. And he was climbing the ladder of religion. Thank you, Hunter. Give Hunter a hand there. Good job, Hunter. Now, check this out. He's climbing the ladder of religion. And as you climb the ladder of religion, here's what happens. Religion is like a ladder. Yeah, I can get in here and I can, I can do the first step. And what it does is people typically get in there. Well, I can go to church. That's not that big a deal. So you start going to church all of a sudden and you start climbing the ladder. And, and, and then, then you start to get hooked and involved and you start to do a little bit more into church. You say, well, what's the next rung on the ladder? And then you go up to the next run. Well, you know what? I even started to give a church. Oh, my goodness. And so, so, so this is what people do, and they, they think they're working their way up. And then all of a sudden, there's some, you know, there's, there's like another big commitment, and here's what happens. You're, you're ready to go climb the next step, and I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Listen, you go to climb the next step. And, and here's the problem with the ladder, with religion as a ladder. If you're coming to get your way to God, you keep going up the ladder. And you've done it. You know what the rich young roller said? He said, look at the rungs below me. The problem with the ladder is you only get so far. I've been up on a lot of ladders. I shouldn't be. This one is sus- suspect to how much longer it will hold me. I've been on ladders to play with the lights up there. I don't like those ladders. Did you ever notice the ladders wider at the bottom and gets narrow at the top? Like we have the ladder that we go up here to fix the lights. The, the, those ladders are, are they're, they're really wide at the bottom and at the top it gets narrow. And, and when I get about beyond the, the third rung of that ladder, I realize that gravity is much stronger than I am. And, and, and gravity will just pull me down, right? So, so I begin to get nervous. And, and I think this is what happens. Many people try to climb the ladder. This man walked away because he was climbing the ladder. Folks, religion can just leave you empty. It's going to leave you lost. It makes us more lost than ever before. And I want you to think about that. Because people are climbing the ladder of religion. And this man was just climbing the ladder of religion. He says, what must I do? What's the next step? Because I have done everything. Look at all the rungs below me. What must I do? Let me show you what God said. God said, I don't want you climbing the ladder. I brought it down to you. I came to this earth. I paid the price for your sin. I did this all. I don't want you trusting in wrong one, wrong two, wrong three, wrong 43. I want you trusting that Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sin. That's what this was all about. This man was sad because he walked away and said, I want to keep climbing the ladder. Look what I've done. I want to go. And then he says, sell all your stuff. He's not telling all of us to sell all of our stuff. He was looking at this man. This man was trusting that. And so God says, listen, I have brought Jesus to you. See, there's no ladder to climb to get to heaven. There is no stairway to heaven. It is Jesus has come to you. He has died on the cross. He's paid for your sin. There's grace. His mercy is at the cross. And he did all the work. When God left heaven... We're going to be celebrating Christmas here in a few short months. When Jesus came to this earth, he left heaven and he came to you. And we in our audaciousness try to build a ladder to him. That's what this man dealt with. He was trying to build his ladder. So today I want to encourage you to understand that religion can leave us more lost than ever before. You've been climbing the ladder of religion. It just leaves you lost. It leaves you empty. And listen, I'm not going to tell you not to come to church. I'm going to tell you come back next week. We've got more to go. We've got a lot of fun, right? But our church has never been about a religion. We've always been about the relationship. And as a matter of fact, when the man asked, he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to remind you that inheritance goes to family. Jesus gives his inheritance to family, not to fans. He's not going to give his inheritance to the fans. There are many people in the crowd that say, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love whenever he did this. Oh, But Jesus leaves it for his family. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? Become family. God wants you to be a part of his family. Jesus stated on his way, a man ran up to him and uh, started on his way and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must you do to inherit eternal life? There's nothing you can do. There's no ladder that you can climb. It's about coming and trusting that Jesus came for you in simple childlike faith. As a matter of fact, he says, to whomever... He believes on his name. He gave the right to be called the children of God. God wants you in his family. And that's the invitation today, is that God wants you in his family. Um, You know what? This, This man, he was grieved. Why was he grieved? Because his whole being, everything that he trusted, everything that he built, his center, his identity, everything was built on who he was and what he could do. And Jesus said, I want you to knock that out. And I want you to follow me. And it's the same invitation to you. And I'd like to ask you to ask yourself this question. What area of my life is it that God's asking me to trust him in? What area of my life is it that I have built my identity on? I've I built it on that I'm a good pastor. I'm a good dad. I'm a great family man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a devout person in the community. I have built my life on all these identities. And God says, take that and wipe that out. And I want you to stop trusting all of that. And I want you to find me. And I want you to have a relationship with me. And watch what I can do. And that's what the God that we serve is wanting wanting you to do today, as you look at the Scripture, Jesus wasn't saying it's bad to have riches. No. He was saying it's hard for you to take your riches and try to get to heaven. It will never happen. Your riches will never get you to heaven. Your success, God does not, when I stand before God, God will not say, well, Ken, you know you stood up and you did three services every weekend for X amount of years. No, it doesn't mean anything. That doesn't get me to God. It means that I was following Him. He gave me these things to do. And sometimes God chooses to bless. Sometimes He chooses not to. I love that in the Old Testament. He says, I am God and I will bless whom I choose to bless. So we have things. God's given us things. We use them for His glory. They are tools to honor Him, to worship Him, to follow Him. And I want to ask you today, what is at the very crux of your being Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. And folks, this is so hard because we all have built our identity on what we want it to be, what makes us comfortable, what I thought. And God says, Phew, level it. You come and follow me. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust him and stop climbing the ladder. I, I want you to enjoy the the joy of no longer trying to find yourself by the good you've done, by the success that you have made. Some of you in this room are like the rich young man, you've been tossing and turning. That question's coming up on you a lot. I don't know what's next. Like, I know the answer, but I really don't know. Like, like I, I thought if I did this for God, then He'd do that for me. God says, I've done it all for you. And I want you to be like those little kids. And I want you to depend on me. And as we read through the story today, we saw the dependence of a child... We saw the independence of a rich young ruler. God says, I want you to be like these little kids. I want you to believe every word that I say. I want you to trust me. And I want you to depend on me for your life. I want you to follow me. I proved my love for you. I went to the cross. I died for you. I was buried. And I rose again. And I want you to trust me. With our heads bowed, if that's you today, would you just call on the Lord? Just respond to Him Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I am come to the point in my life today where I'm going to stop trying to save myself. I'm going to trust you to be my Savior. You died on the cross, you were buried. You rose again. I trust You right now as my Savior and my God. Lord, be with each of us as we respond to Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You how that we see this, this over and over and over who Jesus is. We see that You're were, you were coming to reveal Yourself to us. And as we have been going through this book of Mark, we see it is remarkable who Jesus is, what He has done for us. God, I pray that you'll be with each one of us as we respond to your word today. Help us in those areas of trust, Lord, whether it's a financial area, it's a success area, it's a family area, it's a relationship area. God, we have built ourself and you said there's nothing that we can do. You did it all. It was done at the cross. Lord, be with us, each one as they respond to you today. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Would you please stand as we respond. this morning at Crossroads. Please go in peace. You are dismissed.
4: I believe you gave it.